It's time for, time for the Mark Jackson Show. It's brought to you by Stanford Hospital and Clinics, the official team physicians of the Golden State Warriors. To learn more, visit stanfordhospital.org. And brought to you by Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems. For a local dealer, visit bryant.com. Bryant, whatever it takes. I heard even, uh, you know what you could do? You get one of those Bryant cooling systems and uh, put it on your ankle. Take the swelling down. Maybe you could do, or maybe not. Jack, what's going on? Everything's good, man. Good to talk to you. All right. We're gonna, well, let's just get into this right away. Ray and I were discussing <laughs> greatest players of all time. Actually, it was a, something that came up uh, with a caller who said Magic was better than Michael. And I said, look, I'm, I was about as big a Magic fan growing up as there was. I love the Showtime Lakers. They're my team. Magic's my favorite player. I love the way he revolutionized the point guard position. I love that he passed. I love that he made everybody better. I love the way he carried himself, the joy in which he played the game. But it wasn't close. I mean, it, it was not close between Michael and Magic. And Ray and I were discussing this, and I said, the parameters I use, and I'd be curious on how you view this, I try to view a player by their generation, how good they were during their generation. And to me, and Ray brought up uh, Russell and Chamberlain, who were all-time greats, no doubt. But in my opinion, they were close enough to each other, one and two when they played. LeBron right now, who still has to ways to go before his career ends, is above Durant. But in my opinion, Jack, like nobody in their era has been above the number two player in the game as clearly as Michael Jordan was during his career. And I think there were some great players during that generation, but it was never a doubt. It was undisputed that Michael was clearly the best player of that generation. Well, everybody knew that. There was no question about it. And there were absolute all-time greats during that generation, but the separation between Michael and everybody else was uh, very clear. And um, I'm a guy that, you know, tried to watch Magic Johnson uh, tried to put some of the things he did on the floor in my game. Um, respect them as much, if not more, than anybody. That's you know, you know, I'm a big, big was a big fan of his. So uh, love his game and love everything about him the same way you said. Uh, at the end of the day, though, Michael Jordan uh, is the best player, and I don't think it's it's you know it can be debated, but I don't really think it can be. And then the guy that I would go second with because I don't really judge. Uh, championships. I think it, you know you win championships in this league as teams, and I don't, I don't think it's right to punish players the same way I would put Dan Marino in the discussion with any quarterback ever. Um, I think Will Chamberlain was the best uh, big man, and is the second best player ever. Well, then you're sliding Russell, and I'm blaming you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yanking you. Don't don't worry. <laughs> See, and I, I and love I, and I love Big Bill Russell. Um, there's nothing against him. I yeah. just thought when you look at Chamberlain's numbers, he was just so dominant and an incredible, incredible basketball player. And it's nothing against anybody else. No, I understand. I mean, to me, I mean, the, the thing that I don't agree with Tommy's argument is that you can only be responsible for your own greatness. You you can't be judged by whether you played in an era where there were a bunch of other great players or none at all. And well, I, don't, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. I think um, at the end of the day, there are certain guys um, that could only be great during their era, and then there's some guys that no matter where you place them, they would be they would be great. And and I think that that's what separates those guys from the norm. Yeah, and I'll disagree with you both because I think every era has great players. Every era has Hall of Famers. 
I mean, I, I just think that to be true. I don't think you go through an era of sports and say, well, that 10-year era sucked. They had no good players. I mean, it just just by evolution, there's going to be great players during an era. And then, look, this is an argument that never is going to be won because, you I mean, just trying to, to compare it off guard with a center uh, when they do two completely different things is folly in and unto itself. And I'm not saying that Jordan's the greatest. I'm just saying he's the greatest by my parameters, which may not be everyone else's parameters, but when I try to compare great players in baseball, basketball, and football, I'm really, it only makes sense to me when I compare them against their peers and when they played. It's very hard for me to try to take a player in the 1960s and time warp him into the 90s and try to guess how he would do in the 90s or take a guy in the 90s and move him back to the 70s and think how dominant he would be in the 70s because everything is just so different. Nutrition is different. Training is different. Uh, just it's just, it, it, it's tough to me. <laughs> well, you can go get all the vitamins and, and, and uh, muscle milkshakes and all of that you want and eat well and take it to 1960 or, or earlier or whenever you want. You're not going to find me a guy that was uh, as good as Michael Jordan. So uh, what, I don't think you're going to win that discussion. I would have kicked ass in the 60s. <laughs> I mean, you, you take me back to the 60s, I would have kicked ass. The 1860s. I agree with you. you would be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I, I certainly agree with you. And I would have looked good in those little satin shorts, too. Uh, just watching him guard Elgin Baylor, I just. Phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would have said, oh, okay, Connie Hawkins, you think that extra knuckle is going to help you? I guess uh, Spencer Haywood had the extra knuckle. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> what did. Uh, that must have been a nice game. The uh, I was out there doing the Nick game this past week. Uh, I just want to go back to that for a minute. I mean, that was that a game that was just kind of I, – I don't want to say it wasn't stressful because I think every coach, until you see triple zeros, there's a stress level that's attached to to the job. But where you kind of saw things that, uh, you know what, they had some open threes, they missed. Where in Houston, uh, Milwaukee games – they were making threes. They were open. They were banking threes in in those games. They were hitting tough shots. And not only were the Knicks not hitting tough shots, they were missing shots that they might normally make. And I said, when you hold a team to that few points, think of the 62 or 63, it's really good defense to go along with bad offense. And that's kind of what happened in that game. But was that, was that a game you looked at and said, we played really well, they didn't play well, but it was kind of nice throughout the course of the game to maybe get a few breaks that we hadn't been getting? Well, absolutely. You know, during the course of the year, you're going to have – times where teams are making shots you're going to have times where you're not making shots and you can't overreact either way the thing I liked about it it was a game that we needed Uh, I thought our team came out and played with a lot of energy a lot of effort we defended we played at our pace and when we do that we wound up in in good shape and it was a much needed win for us but I, I think we defended at a high level with the combination of also they missed shots but uh we did exactly what we were supposed to do we played against a team that was uh fighting some injuries um that had beaten us in their in in, in the, on their home floor and it was important for us to make a statement that said you come back later and play the pistons who are not as good as the knicks how disappointed were you that you didn't hold detroit to 62 <laughs> well, I wasn't disappointed at all. You know, <laughs> you know, I've said it all along. We are not, and it's going to get old me saying it, but we're not the Miami Heat. We're not the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're not, you know, those teams that's going to show up on the floor and just dominate and put on a clinic and everything goes well and you can chalk it up as a W. We're a team that's young, that's gaining experience, that's uh, trying to get healthy across the board, that's going to battle, fight, and uh, put ourselves in position to win ball games, but it's going to be a grind and it's tough. Uh, so I think at the end of the day, 
we're pleased with the fact that we get out of there with a win. We played relatively well. And, um, you know, just think, uh, you know, a week ago or so, we were concerned and people had us out the playoffs. And we found a way to stop the bleeding and now playing good basketball. Talking to the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, Mark Jackson, here on KMBR. Was the Dante Jones uh, foul last night, was that a dirty play? I don't know if it was intentional. Um, uh, I, I do know he went, uh, you know, went underneath Kobe. And according to the rules, you got to allow the offensive player a space to land, and he did not. Um, you know, I, I played with you know Jalen Rose in in Indiana, and I never said it, but Jalen came out obviously on his own and and told everybody where he did it intentionally to to uh, Kobe. Kobe Bryant. Um, did he tell you at the time? Uh, he said he didn't say what he was going to do. He said I'm going to put a stop to it somewhere along those lines. <laughs> We didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Next thing we know, Kobe's rolling over on his ankles. <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, that's that's that that's a play that I I I can't accept, and yeah. I don't agree with. And, and you got to have something in your DNA because I could not even try to do it and be successful because something in my DNA would pull me away from underneath the guy. So uh, that's there's no place in basketball for that. And I would certainly hope that Dante Jones. You know, I take him on his word. He said he didn't do it intentionally, but so did Bruce Bowen and probably so did Jalen Rose right afterwards. Well, I'm going to tell you the one that drives me nuts, like my biggest pet peeve, is when guys jump in the air to go for a layup and there's a guy behind him and they give you a push to the lower back and they always get caught. So I don't know what they're doing. Uh, if, if I'm a coach, I just say, look, if you're beat, you're beat. You know, if you just let the guy lay it up. You know, don't get a foul because you're probably going to get a foul and the guy's going to score. And it's dangerous. Like I, that one drove me more nuts than just about anything, Jack. Because it didn't take much when you were up in the air to get you to start like leaving your uh, your center, your axis, I guess if you want to call it. Your feet start going up a little bit, and you start coming back over in your heels. And it is a dangerous play. I've seen guys get hurt on that, and it's it's not hustle. No one buys it as hustle. No one thinks you're hustling any harder when you push someone in the lower back. It just that that's the one that really that really upsets me, and that would be a flagrant two. You're out of the game. I don't care how the guy lands or what happens. If you push a guy in the back and when he's in the air, you're done. Yeah, those are, you know, those are dirty plays, and there's no place in basketball for those type plays, and I totally understand, and those are the plays where, you know, you face some sort of retaliation because you're putting guys in, in, in harm's way. So the fortunate thing about guys like you and I, well, we didn't get up real high enough to 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 worry about you know bad spills when we got pushed in the back. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a minute, wait a minute. I hope we I hope you have a frog in your pocket when you're saying we, because I could jump. Let's get that straight right now. You could land. I wasn't Tom Chambers, but I could get up. Well, Rado, I'll take you out. And I'll throw down on you right now. I'll get you and Jack together. I'll throw down on both of you. Please, and Jack go, will step up underneath you no matter what he says. I'll jump over him. I for, still have those type of He hops. will play dirty for this. I guarantee it. I <laughs> can just see. You'll be, you'll be uh, Frederick Weiss, and I'll be uh, Vince Carter. I will That's jump on you. Good point. And it will be like one of those Lipton commercials. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> but don't, I think you know where I'm going. <laughs> don't you love it when he goes all delusional? <laughs> yes, he does. But this, this is why we tune in. <laughs> that and that's him and the frog in his pocket. <laughs> Let me ask you this: We brought this up. Uh, you may not want to comment on this. I'm not sure, but uh, I'll just roll it out there anyway. Could you uh, coach a team consisting of these players? Oh God! 
JaVale McGee, DeMarcus Cousins, Ron Artest, Vernon Maxwell, Gilbert Arenas, Dennis Rodman, Andrew Bynum, Stack Jack, Rod Strickland, Chris Anderson, Jason Williams? It's a challenge, but I would say yes, and we would win. Uh, I think I think at the end of the day, if you're a leader, if you're a coach, uh, you believe that you can uh, reach anybody and success will come. And at the end of the day, a lot of those guys that you talked about, extremely talented. All of them. Uh, and, and, and they compete. That's the one thing you want. So I'd rather have a guy that's going to compete on the floor than a guy that's, you know, perfect in every way other than a, a motor and does not compete. I think the scariest guy out of all of them, I don't know if you'd agree with me, was Vernon Maxwell. Be very scary. <laughs> but, but I would probably – I would probably pick Dennis Rodman because at least in Mad Max, you know he was going to show up to the game. Oh, uh, Max would definitely. <laughs> this is true. That's kind know. of a low bar to clear. <laughs> hey, Max, I hit Max one time. He hit me with a. I don't think he knew he hit me with an elbow to the nose, and my eyes got all watery. And I was just, you know, you get hit to the nose, you see red. So I went after Maxwell and I swung an elbow and tried to hit him, got called for a technical because I wasn't very slick about it. But he looked at me, and the way he looked at me, I just thought. That guy, that guy doesn't know where he's at right now, and he wouldn't care if he took me and stuffed me in a hole and left me there right now. So even though I outweighed him and I was bigger, I said, Max, I'm going to leave you alone right now. That's where if he, if he was playing in Houston, that's where you run up on Kenny Smith and challenge him. <laughs> you think that might be an easier fight? Yeah. <laughs> Do you still uh, – I know with all the coaching and, and everything that – I mean, you're busy with that. Do you still have time to enjoy – March Madness, uh, Big East tournament. What are some of your What are some of your memories of the Big East tourney? Well, you know, it's sad that the Big East is no longer the Big East, and you know, the days are winding down. But great memories, you know, winning the Big East tournament. Great memories participating uh, against the great teams, um, the great coaches. So those those were very very fond days, and um, it's fun even this time of year watching all of the uh, the tournaments. Uh, and, 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 and the great players in college basketball. I don't think there's as many great teams as there's been in the past, but uh, I would say there, there, there are a bunch of teams that rightfully should feel they have a legitimate chance of, of winning the whole thing. It's going to be an interesting tournament. You guys went to the Final Four, did you not? We did go to the Final Four. We were the number one team six straight weeks, and um, I think the problem was they had us play Georgetown in the Final Four. Yep where we should have been in position to have to only face them in the national championship game. You know, the year they beat Villanova, we actually, I mean, Villanova beat Georgetown. Mm -hmm. We actually beat Villanova three times that year. So you're thinking it would have been better to play Villanova at first and then maybe Georgetown in the finals. Yeah, just a hunch. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, before I let you go, just a quick question. Uh, I know you do the scouting reports and players uh, get them. On the scouting report this past week with Detroit on Will Bynum, did you just write down, we'll shoot it every time he gets the ball? (laughs) No, seriously, I'm not kidding. He will shoot it every time he gets the ball. End of sentence. Move on to next player. Well, I tell you, the concern with him is he's a flat-out scorer. So he's a guy that if he gets it going, you know, similar to a guy we know and love in this area, and and Nate Robinson Mm -hmm. tomorrow night, those guys, it's important how you – play them early because if they get it going and they establish themselves, you're dealing with you know guys that can score as well as basically anybody. Real quick, I know we're up against it, but you mentioned the Bulls. How do you attack a team that is so good defensively? Do you 
I mean, do you want to take quicker shots if they're good shots and try to catch them before the defense sets up? And I think you probably would like to do that against all teams, but maybe is it more important against a team like that that once uh, with the scouting they have and the length that they have on defense that you don't want to try to butt heads against their half-court defense uh, you know, for as many possessions as you can help it? Well, it's very important. You know, you look at uh, they, they had a tough loss last night against Sacramento, and Sacramento is a team that plays random offense. They push the basketball. They force the issue, and uh, not really uh, sets that they're running. And I think that's the problem when you play in the Chicago Bulls. You don't want to allow that defense to set up because when you're predictable and they know what you're running, they know how to defend sets. So in, a, in an ideal world, we're getting stops. We're pushing the ball in transition, and we're playing at our pace. And I, and I think that's the best situation to, to face a team that, you know, Tom Thibodeau does an outstanding job, and they, they've got some very good defenders. Yeah, I know you guys have that commercial where you say, good night, San Jose. <laughs> good night, Oakland. Good night, Moon. Maybe uh, next year, if you want to do, like, the alarm clock, I'll come out there and dunk, and you can go, wake up, San Jose. Wake up, Oakland. Wake up, San Francisco. And I'll just be, like, crushing the rim, and that'll be, like, the alarm clock going off. Oh, man. Remember the you part are... where I told you about delusions? <laughs> He's in rare form tonight. Jack, always a pleasure. We'll look forward to doing it again next week, and I'll uh, I'll see you out there next week, my friend. Absolutely. Stay well. Take it easy, man.